WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. Always live on the free Odyssey app. From the Sherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Live and local from Philadelphia. Free speech lives here. Here. It's Kale and Company on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. And away we go, live on this Thursday, November 2nd. Yes, it is indeed Kale and Company right here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, always live on the free Odyssey app and streaming live for your video viewing pleasure on YouTube. As we head until 10 o'clock this morning, 855-839-1210, the phone number, Twitter and Instagram, the radio station at 1210WPHT. I am at Nick Kale, K-A-Y-A-L, Dawn Stenzlin with the news, Greg Stocker, the chairman of the board, Daniel Valdez, Anthony Dorenzo, our associate producers, working our way towards the weekend. Dawn, Greg, uh, did you guys enjoy 30 degrees and revving up the vehicle to... Get the frost Ooh. off the windshield. Ooh. It's uh, it. When I first let Buddy out early this morning, it was twenty nine degrees. Ah. He turned back around and said, "I'm going back yeah, inside." He was, well, the, the only one that loves this is the dog, the yeah. big fur. He's like, "Oh, this feels great." <laughs> it took me like two and a half minutes. I was dry. I'm like, I'm not going to wait for the windshield to defrost. So I've got the little the little window basically where it's starting to defrost. <laughs> oh, and you, no. you, you tilt your head down and you can see through as you're driving down the road. Yeah, that's how I did the first two three miles of my commute this morning. Yeah, was was that. I just because I don't have I, I don't have time I don't have a second to spare in the morning yeah so it's like I don't have time to scrape my windshield <laughs> so I literally <clears throat> um, take the the um, the window washer fluid right and just do it that that a few times wipe it yep. turn the turn the defrosters on blast and just drive uh huh that's what I was doing as well but then I realized it was thirty and it might freeze up because it's too cold <laughs> yeah. so the whole thing went the you know what yeah all right a lot of good things to get to this morning. By the way, yeah, what do you got? I am going to make the case at 7:45 or around there. You know, the country usually lasts for six days. That does. Um, <laughs> I'm going to make the case that Caitlin Collins might be Nick Hale's perfect mate. In some regards, yeah. In other regards, I, not. I'm going to make the case, Dawn. Caitlin Collins from CNN. They have nothing in common as politically, right? But. She is his perfect mate, and oh I will boy. make that case coming up at seven forty-five. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make yep. me a, all right, or maybe like a maybe like a his TV twin, or my TV, right? <laughs> TV twin. Some say she resembles my sister. I've been told. Yeah, I could see that. So I don't know. You guys would argue about politics for in well, she could stop forever. pretending that she's actually because I've heard she's actually something else, but mm-hmm. you know, that's neither here nor there. Well, mm-hmm. she's—I mean, she started her career as a. As a conservative, as, yeah, yeah, reporter for what the Blaze or yeah. something, yeah, I think or, the, or was Daily it the Daily Caller, Daily Caller, it was yeah. Tucker Carlson's site, yeah, yeah, yeah. and look at her upbringing, yeah, too. yeah, so yeah. that's if she is effective at Democrats, bad parenting. We'll talk to her parents <laughs> in the nine o'clock hour. Uh, a lot of good things to get to this morning. We've got a very interesting big take where I'm taking free speech, social media, and the Supreme Court and merging it all together for a big take that'll be coming up shortly. Also, RFK Jr. not only doing well in the polls. But in the pockets. Oh, my guy! Uh-oh. My guy's got a little bit of a little change in his pocket these it's, days. It's almost like we predicted that on this show, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Okay, certainly you did. Um, and no, then I th- no, I say that all the time. It's not. It's it's not a me. It's a we. 
Yeah, no, no, it's it's definitely a thing, and we will get into it. Uh, also, we have a fat problem at Uh-oh. multiple levels, which is always nice to hear when it comes to our military and the holidays. So that story's coming up. And uh, also some other stuff with lack of sleep, mm. some disturbing footage of a Harvard pro-Hamas supporter where it went above and beyond free speech, at least uh, in my eyes. We're still doing this, huh? Yeah. Don Lemon's got a thing for dressing up as females on Halloween. We'll break that down. Get ready for that visual. And also, um, throat cancer. The leading culprit might not what you think it was, or basically we were told one thing and it could be something else. i got to be very careful with the way I word that one today. Look, it's a scientific study. It is. It is. Maybe you can give the story to Dawn and she can do it in a journalist way. Yes, that's correct. Uh, speaking of the news, let's get to it. Round number one, and away we go with the great Dawn Stenzel at 6.05. And good morning. Freeze warning continues this morning, by the way, until 10 o'clock this morning. If you're just waking up, it's cold out there, so make sure you warm up yourself, the vehicle. We are sponsored this morning by Holland Floor Covering this November 2nd, Thursday. Suburban police searching for a killer as a Bucks County family and community and school are grieving Uh, Police have now identified that middle school student who was fatally shot when gunfire rang out during what appears to be a large fight that had broken out Halloween night in Ben Salem, Pennsylvania. So it happened about 735 Tuesday night, Bristol Pike, Woodbine Avenue, a large group of teenagers. Um, Obviously, there have been, you know, trick-or-treaters out there. It looked like a party turned into somebody got into an argument and in all of this, ultimately, the 14-year-old who was shot in the chest, pronounced dead at Jefferson Tarsdale Hospital, has been identified as Peter Romano. He was a student at Snyder Middle School, so the superintendent, school officials speaking out. They're offering grief counselors to all of the, the children at the middle school. And this is police still look into this, searching for the gunman who apparently shot from a vehicle, according to police, more than a dozen shots. So they don't have a connection between this 14-year-old, don't know who the gunman is, if these, you know, they don't have even a motive at this point because nobody's even uh, connecting the fact that the gunman was in the crowd. In other words, with with some of the kids who were, who were arguing or whatever was going on, it appears by all accounts the 14-year-old happened. To, unfortunately, it's that wrong place, wrong time cliché. A very large group of teenagers were out here. So this would be constituted as a drive-by shooting then, right? I, I would say so, Nick. Which we don't really hear that phrase too much anymore. But That's true. Yeah, nowadays people just don't care. They just walk right up to you and shoot you at point-blank range. I know. Yeah. Uh, that's so true. We have a, a 17-year-old and 19-year-old also shot. They are recovering. One of them still hospitalized after surgery. And as well, police trying to question the 17- and 19-year-old. Um, is it possible that one of those two teens, are they the target? So there's still, it's an active investigation um, as we as we continue, you know, to cover the news this morning. We also have a, an unbelievable story with a mom and her teenage daughter shot in West Philadelphia after just opening their front door, Cobbs Creek, uh, 7 o'clock last night, 5700 block of Spruce Street, Police say the mom and 16-year-old were inside their house, standing in the foyer area, and somebody comes to the, the man comes to the door, and I guess they were peeking through the door, and said no. He, apparently, he had just gone to the wrong house. 
That's what police are saying. <laughs> oh, my God. Gets mad that it's the wrong house and decides he's going to he's going to spray them with gunfire, essentially shooting through the through the door and into the, the vestibule kind of foyer area there. Uh, just, you can't make this stuff up. Right. All right. So from by all accounts with with police, five shots fired and uh, hit the doorway. Both victims. Mom was shot in her hip. The 16, her 16 year old daughter suffering a gunshot wound to the leg. So they were rushed to the hospital and they will, you know, recover after some time surgeries. But these are not life threatening injuries, according to police. Obviously, they're searching for that suspect, that shooter who fled on a bicycle. Um, and, and actually, I should, I should update this. The, they did arrest a person of interest as they're not identifying that individual at this time. But they may have the the guy, so we've got that going on. Also, um, we have new video as a uh, Philadelphia Correctional Center is under fire, if you will, after close scrutiny after those two inmates managed to escape the facility. This was last May. Well, it was all captured on surveillance video. This newly released video shows the actual moment the two inmates walked out of their cells at the Philadelphia. Industrial Correctional Center. We talked a lot about this at the time. And then they crawl through this, the, the open parts of the prison to avoid detection. So 19-year-old Amin Hurst, 24-year-old Nasir Grant, they escaped May 7th. Um, they were, and one of them charged with, with murder. So they were, the, they were arrested, you know, 10 days later. But the question is, and that's the question that this was posed before City Council. Krasner is actually D.A. Krasner. Mm-hmm taking questions on this and giving the play-by-play on this one. But essentially, for the for one, at least one of the prison guards was asleep, was taking <laughs> oh, a nap. Uh, the, uh, the nap? Yep, taking a nap. The nap. See? See, now guys like me that utilize the nap in the proper form for the proper duration get a bad get a bad rap. Now, this was the, this was the case where the, the door was not closed pro- uh, properly, correct? Yes. 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 <laughs> But it was, <laughs> so and dumb. it's uh, it's if you're that person, you'll never your family will never let you no. put this down. No, you should lose. Your, did did but, the guy lose his job? By the way, well, I think that I think the napper was actually a, a female guard. Well, she should go to them. But but you, the, okay, the union president David Robinson is coming out. He represents the Philadelphia Corrections officers, and says that they the in their defense. They are under increasingly difficult conditions. Uh, they're exhausted. Yeah. They're working these twelve-hour shifts. You know, I got to say this, and this is—I'm sticking up for females on this. It—it's—it's it's odd to me that it's a female that does the napping because Dawn is—is is a great example of this. My wife is a great example of this. Like when my when my son was was a baby, my wife could go like like weeks, yeah. m- months without getting. A good night's sleep, and she like it never seemed to phase right. her. Dawn seems to be the same way too. Most females are troopers. It's yes, it's yeah. usually the, the way we're wired. It's usually yeah. the guys that are like, and I know I'm like, I need my eight hours of sleep, or I'm not going to function the next God, day. I feel every day at eight thirty at night. <laughs> like I need, and my wife is just like, just just yeah. suck it up, yeah. go to bed, sweetheart. Yeah. No, that's that's the truth. It's yeah. the way we're it's we're wired because we're up with babies at night. So it's just it's it's shocking to me that it was a female that was napping. <laughs> yeah. And and I understand that a lot of these these officers are being r- ran ragged and stuff like Run. that. Run ragged. But like, you know, 
You can't have, you can't like use the, ex- my defense was, well, I've been working a lot, I fell asleep. It's not like you let somebody out that, you know, um, looted a, an AT&T store. A murderer escaped. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be responsibility and accountability. And I would say, honestly, as, mu- as much as I am pro-law enforcement and the authorities, uh, if it's too rough for you and you don't like it, nobody's forcing you to stay. That's a good point. You know, quit. Um, we will. I'll just headline the next two, and that is the Johnny Doc trial underway. Jury selection began yesterday. Obviously, power, very powerful former labor leader John Doherty is uh, set to appear now before this federal jury in Philadelphia, and on these embezzlement allegations from Local 98 of the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. He and you know his fellow his co-defendants say that they are innocent of this. It's a witch hunt. But the trial, this is trial number two. So it's uh, beginning, uh, began yesterday. So I'll headline that one. And then Eric Trump will be in Manhattan. His his big brother, uh, Don Jr., testifying yesterday in Manhattan for that civil trial. That's the Letitia James civil proceeding. And Donald J. Trump, um, I believe, is Monday as well as Ivanka. is. It was Ivanka's birthday, by the way. On Monday. Just oh, was it? Oh, wow. I'm sorry. I didn't get her anything. She was, she was out with Kim Kardashian looking quite fabulous. Oh, she was? Yeah. yeah. She's 42. She looks all of 32. No, she's 42? Yeah, she, she's she not. Uh, she, she's she, gorgeous. She's actually not part of this trial, though, right? She's just a... Well, um, that's the... the go- As we talk about the golden child, we all know who the favorite child is in every family and... Come on, let's just say. Right. She's the golden child. Yeah. So so a judge... It's odd, it's odd <laughs> to me, too, that the golden child of the Trump family is the only one that doesn't appear to be a conservative. Just, <laughs> just saying. Just yeah, saying. I didn't think about it that way. Yeah, she, and she take really... That, take that with what... For a... For what you will, and she really doesn't get involved too much in a lot of the, uh, you know, the uh, no. the choppy stuff. She's just a she's a loyal daughter, but uh, a judge had ruled. What did we reported on this last June? I want to say that they this had gone through the courts and they had said no, she had nothing to do with this. Right, and so this is Judge Angoron Angamoron. I was like, oh. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say. I that. know, sorry, I can't. And uh, so it's it just to me it shows how personal it is. But they wanted to drag the kids back into it, especially her. Even though there were there were lower court rulings that said no, she you know she doesn't have to testify. She's not part of it. Well, so they're calling her back. Well, I mean Don Don Junior and Eric are so yeah. it, it makes sense. Well, Don Junior was in there for what two hours yesterday. Yeah, I think I saw, so. There was a, a long duration of. Uh, him being uh, in the spotlight, so he had, to speak. He had the courtroom cracking up from. Yeah, some, what, what, he some dropped the, the joke report, or something from some of the reports I read. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't know. Charming. I don't uh, know. Yeah, if the, I mean, Gilfoyle was there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we digress. All right, let me talk about our sponsor, Holland Floor Covering, the region's premier flooring dealer, family operated for more than fifty years, providing exceptional service, professional installation. Visit their two showrooms, Wayne and Newtown. No charge samples, no obligation estimates. Learn more, hollandfloor.com. NBC 10 first alert forecast. Freeze alert until 10 o'clock this morning. Today, the high just 51 degrees. The sunny stretch continues through the weekend. And the warm-up begins for your tomorrow, for your Friday, because it's 60 tomorrow. And then for the weekend, mid-60s, the warmer day being Sunday, but 64 degrees the sunshine continues. That's your NBC 10 first alert forecast. Kale Company News Live. All right, Dawn, thank you much. Uh, thank you very much. By the way, you see the Rangers won the World Series last night. Um, I firmly believe the Phillies would have defeated them. I didn't watch one pitch of the World Series. No. Did anybody watch anything? Of it? I watched a few pitches. I, I, 
I honestly forgot that last night I know. it was on. I, yeah, it's just unbelievable. I just saw it pop up on Fox News with them celebrating. Wow. Figured I would mention well, didn't that. Didn't you say the ratings were down? Yeah, they lost to Monday Night Football. I mean, they were getting beat by everybody. It's the worst they've seen in in many, many, many years. Yeah, I agree. I can see why. All right, 617. Let's get to a Thursday Big Take. The Big Take on Kale & Company. Okay, the big take this morning, free speech, social media, and the Supreme Court. Buckle up. Free speech is essential. It's so important that it is literally the First Amendment in the Bill of Rights. Social media, one could argue, is the most addictive force in modern culture today. And the Supreme Court has long been viewed as the court of last resort and the highest court in all of the land. So when you have these three forces and they collide, you better be paying attention. I want to focus in on two stories involving free speech and the Supreme Court, as well as one story about the dangerous addiction that social media poses to kids. That is coming front and center in a bipartisan way. In a story on CNBC, Meta, the parent company of Facebook and Instagram, are being sued by 42 attorney generals. This is a bipartisan effort by AGs in which they allege that certain features on Facebook and Instagram are addictive and are aimed at kids and teenagers. The lawsuits demonstrate the broad bipartisan interest in protecting kids and teens from online harm. Now, here are some of the details of this case directly from CNBC. Listen and watch the following. Some breaking news to tell you about. 33 attorneys general from across the United States are now suing Meta for allegedly endangering young users and profiting off the data harvested from them. The suit also alleging that Meta knows its platforms are addictive to its users, but that it does not disclose that fact. Remember, this follows a 2021 probe into Meta from several state AGs, alleging that the company promoted Instagram to children, despite knowing of potential harms it could have on their mental and physical health. Meta telling us for its part in a statement, we share the attorney general's commitment to providing teens with safe, positive experiences online and have already introduced over 30 tools to support teens and their families. We are disappointed that instead of working productively with the companies across the industry to create clear, age-appropriate standards for the many apps teens use, the attorneys general have chosen this path. Carl, they're apparently demanding a number of remedies, including civil penalties, meta stock right now, not reacting too much. It's off the highs of the day, but it is still higher. Keep in mind, it's also up more than 200 percent since last October and will report earnings this week. That audio and video courtesy of CNBC. So Meta designed its Facebook and Instagram products to keep young users on them for longer and repeatedly coming back, the attorney generals allege. Now, I personally believe that these AGs are absolutely correct in the way in which these social media giants manipulate the youth of today, not only with rigged algorithms, but also the science behind it, where the brain craves the need to go back to the social media app and see the reaction that they received or did not receive to a single post. Meta is facing a legitimate legal challenge when you consider the amount of support that this has garnered from people of various political backgrounds. I don't believe this is merely Republicans want to ban this in fear of indoctrination. I also don't believe this is progressives wanting to ban this in fear of different viewpoints. I think for the overwhelming majority of parents... Regardless of political ideologies, if you have a child who is on social media and you care even slightly about your kid and you're remotely involved in their daily lives, this does concern you. Now, Meta is facing a federal lawsuit that encompasses 33 states as one lump suit 
in the Northern District of California, while nine additional attorney generals for a total of 42 are filing separately. That according to a name that we are all familiar with here on this show, which is Letitia James, the AG of New York. Tennessee Attorney General Jonathan Skirmetti said, quote, we have polarization the likes of which we have not seen since the Civil War. Colorado AG Phil Weiser said, quote, this is not a case that we know is going to be decided very quickly, but it's of the utmost importance. That's why we are using the resources we are and putting it atop a national agenda, end quote. So what is Meta being accused of? Well, according to the federal complaint, Meta made their app addictive through the design of its algorithms, its copious amounts of alerts, notifications, and the so-called infinite scroll-through platform feeds. The lawsuit also claims that it negatively impacts teens' mental health through social comparison or promoting body dysmorphia, which seems like something a lot of kids would do because they're seeking out likes and reposts or using those photo filters to alter the way they actually look. And as you'd expect, Meta is denying these effects, and AGs are saying around the country, you cannot credibly plead ignorance with this one. So who is to blame for this? Is it the social media giants or perhaps the parents? Or is it both? I think it's both, and here's why. Parents realized the impact of social media on their kids' lives during the pandemic when they were confined to doing nothing but endless scrolling and swiping when they were supposed to be learning virtually from home. Now, good parenting can limit some, if not a lot, of this, but this is also on Meta as well as every other big tech company, and here's why. Quote, Meta's own internal research documents show that it did have an awareness that its products harm young users. Indeed, internal studies that Meta commissioned and kept private until they were leaked by a whistleblower and publicly reported reveal that Meta has known for years about these serious harms associated with young users and their time spent on its platforms. Heck, I'm aware of it myself. It's hard for me to stay off of Twitter, especially with my job requiring me to be plugged in and dialed in to all the developing stories of the day. So what is the solution? A complete ban for minors? Probably not. Access at a certain age? I'm for that. Good parenting? I think we should all be for that. Or time limits per day? Sounds plausible to me. But this court case is worth following for sure. The other legal battle to follow beyond Biden v. Missouri is the Supreme Court wading into the social media free speech firestorm and how it could change the Internet forever. Think about that for a second. Free speech and the Internet, it's a, it's a part of our lives every single day. And according to The Hill, the Supreme Court of the United States will hear uh, an array of legal arguments this week and moving forward involving social media's free speech wars this term for the Supreme Court with a series of dicey cases that could reshape how public officials and U.S. government agencies operate online. I want you to take a listen to this. This is Laura Jarrett, NBC News legal analyst, talking about what's going on here. Listen and watch. But now some lower level public officials at the state level, um, in actually in California and Michigan, block people on social media and their constituents said, hey, that actually violates my First Amendment rights because you're using your personal platforms to talk about policies. And the arguments are undergoing right now at the Supreme Court. And the justices seem very sympathetic to this because they say in pointing to the former president, look, he was making policy announcements on those platforms, even though they were under his name. There were important things there 
you're restricting their ability to engage with public officials when you do that. It is such a fascinating argument and discussion. This hearing should give us some insight into how the justices view this issue of free speech on social media. What are some of the clues they have given us so far? And what could this mean in terms of, for us, implications beyond public officials? It's hard to know from oral argument where they're coming at it because they're pressing the lawyers always to try Mm -hmm. to make their best arguments. But look, this is not the only case they have in front of them this term. There's going to be other ones about free speech. They certainly heard some issues about social media last term, and they kind of left those undecided when it came to Twitter and Facebook. Uh, But this one, I I can see them actually siding with the people who say, hey, you cannot block us on social media. If you're going to use your platform in that way, you actually have to open it for everybody. So the issue at hand is whether public officials can constitutionally block their constituents on social media. And one of those cases involves a lakeside city manager in which Michigan is where it occurs, who decided he would block someone posting what he called creepy smiley emojis on his Facebook page amid criticism of the manager's COVID-19 pandemic response. Two other cases to be heard later this term are related to social media content moderation laws in the states of Texas and Florida. The central question is whether being blocked should be considered a state action, which makes them subject to the First Amendment. The constituents contend that the First Amendment applies because the officials of the government are using their accounts to post about their job and update community members. But the officials want the justices to adopt a more narrow viewpoint. Perhaps the best quote on the government overstepping their bounds came from Samuel Alito of the Supreme Court in Biden v. Missouri when he said the following, quote, at this time in the history of our country, what the court has done, I fear, will be seen by some as giving the government a green light to use heavy-handed tactics to skew the presentation of views on the medium that increasingly dominates the dissemination of news. That is almost unfortunate, end quote. And I agree with that opinion wholeheartedly. Now sure seems like a good time to address this once and for all and establish parameters here, especially with wars in the Middle East and Ukraine going on simultaneously, the massive amounts of misinformation that gets spewed daily, and the rise of bots and trolls on these social media apps. Oh, and by the way, we're just about a year away from an upcoming election. And while the First Amendment applies to free speech and the government's ability to intervene, it does not apply to private enterprise. That is, of course, until the government bullies private enterprise into shutting down the marketplace of ideas and the speech that comes from it. And that's the big take. The Big Take on Kale and Company. All right, Big Take this morning. If you want to jump in, thoughts and reactions, always welcomed. 855-839-1210 on social media at 1210WPHT. And, of course, you can be a part of the Kale & Company comment community on YouTube. Just go to YouTube.com slash at 1210WPHT and hit the like and subscribe buttons. We'll come back, get some thoughts on that. Also, RFK Jr., he's polling strong. He's impacting Donald Trump. And, by the way, Kennedy... He's got a lot of donors, and the money's starting to pile up. We'll get into that as we continue. Kale and Company, Nick Dawn and Greg, Thursday morning on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Start the NFL week off right tonight. <clears throat> Texas, uh, or the uh, Tennessee Titans at Pittsburgh Steelers. Right now, all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay for tonight's game. I'm doing <clears throat> Derrick Henry for an anytime touchdown. Tennessee Titans on the money line and the under at 36 and a half. A ten dollar wager will will uh, score you seventy six bucks. 
All you have to do is place a three-leg same-game parlay on this week's game between the Titans and Steelers, and you get bonus bets back if you don't win. NFL same-game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets for a chance at an even bigger payday. You can build your own or choose, like I did, from one of the popular same-game parlays pre-built for you in FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. Visit FanDuel.com slash Greg. FanDuel.com slash Greg so you don't miss out on your chance to get a no-sweat same-game parlay on America's number one sportsbook. It's in partnership with Valley Forge Casino. And is the official partner of 1210WPHT. FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 21 and over, President of PA. Refund issued is non-withdrawable. Bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max refund $5 unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See terms of sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the Kale & Company Podcast. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and on the free Odyssey app. Kale & Company, as we continue live on this frigid cold Thursday morning. Nick Dawn and Greg, Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Interesting timing for a lot of these court cases when it comes to free speech, the First Amendment, what's going on in Texas, Florida, Michigan, everything I kind of highlighted there in the big take. Because, you know, we are just about one year away from the election coming up, and obviously people will be sharing their viewpoints and giving their opinions and sniping and going and battling back and forth with others on social media and, you know, trying to message uh, certain politicians and saying why they disagree. And, you know, we went through, I think, really a lot in the last three and a half years when it comes to the government and the suppression of free speech. So figured we would kind of tie some of those court cases that might not be on people's radars uh, into the big take this morning. So if you have any thoughts on that, you can certainly climb in on the phones, social media, the YouTube chat, any which way you would like. 855-839-1210. But we really should spend some time here on the factor that is RFK Jr. Um and I like I think this is one of those things that like obviously at the end of the day he's not going to win but he's going to be the fly in the ointment so to speak. He's going to be a thorn in the side. You look at the latest national Quinnipiac poll and when you look at just Joe Biden, Donald Trump, it is essentially a statistical tie. Uh Joe Biden leading Trump by 1.47% to 46%. But then when you throw in RFK Jr., it gives Biden a little bit more breathing room, so to speak. It gives Joe Biden a 39 point, uh, excuse me, a 39 percent advantage over Trump at 36 percent. So it gives him it gives him a bump from one point to three points because RFK Jr. in the latest Quinnipiac poll is polling at 22 percent. And I don't know that I have seen it that high. I've seen 20. I've seen 19, 17, 16 percent. I have not seen 22%. Then you throw in another variable, and that is Cornell West, and Biden's lead goes from three back down to one. So you would say and conclude that I think Cornell West helps Donald Trump. And, of course, from a primary standpoint, Trump is just obliterating everybody. He's up 49 points on DeSantis. Uh, He's got a 64% to 15% commanding lead in that regard. So we have talked about that on this show. Uh, we'll get to the money in a moment, but I do think now collectively, and if I'm wrong, somebody f- feel free to please correct me and speak up. I've seen more polls now where RFK hurts Trump than helps him. And I, I want to say it's probably four out of every five polls that I've seen. RFK has been a little bit of a hindrance to Trump because I think there are some people out there, and I don't think it's a, a major group of people but it's it's quantifiable 
that some people on the right see little elements of RFK that they like. Not everything, because he's into the climate thing, and but he, he's into free speech, he's into the anti-vax, and I know he doesn't like to be called anti-vax, but you know, he, by and large, he's pointed out a lot of the flaws of Big Pharma, and he's not a fan of how they operate without impunity. Um, he's a factor here. Yeah, I... I was getting a lot of tweets, you know, when I came out and said that I believe, I truly do believe it. And I know, like, look, look, there's been different polls that have shown different things. And you quoted a poll a couple weeks ago where where it looked like it was actually helping uh, Trump right. and not Biden. That was one of the few. Um, and I said at the time, I said, I said, it's, it's you know, these polls really are meaningless right now. We're, we're it's just we're, talk show fodder. We're a year out. And I still do agree with that even though it says what i really do believe i still think that it's 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 way too early however i got all of these tweets and people messaging me and showing me the thing about um rfk um wanting reparations or whatever it yeah. was and they're right. like you still think he's gonna siphon from he's Trump no, now he's no friend uh, to the right and and my answer is always yes i do because there's a there's a there's a group of Trump voters that are more liberal on a lot of things that just like Trump and 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 you know would will look at RFK as a as a different alternative and I know a lot of them personally mm-hmm. so I, I'm telling you that yes and these are people that probably would have voted for Trump so I'm telling you that I do think that that if he and now look, you know, he has to he's running as an independent, un you know, undeclared party or whatever like that. He's he has to raise a ton of money mm-hmm. to get on the ballots and like it's this is a huge uphill battle for him. So, you know, will he be a factor six months from now? I don't know. But you know, I think at this moment, if you looked at it right this moment, he siphons more from Trump than he does Biden. Dawn, your thoughts? I'm and I'm sign languaging Nick behind your back, Greg, because we're all in three different studios. Because mm-hmm. I just emailed you guys the Hill article. Okay. I don't know if you were referencing that, but where Trump Jr. was interviewed about this just yesterday. Oh, about mm. about RFK. Yes. Okay. So Jr. on RFK Jr. and Trump and Don Jr talking about it so he was saying that he felt it was a quote democrat plant to hurt his dad that's what trump that's what don jr said just last night i i don't i look to nbc I, I i can't dismiss that and i don't think it, it takes it's you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure this out the dems do not want rfk jr around we know that he was denied secret service protection so you kind of scorn him right you, you say, hey, you're not welcomed in this party. You're not like the rest of the family history and the lineage of being a Democrat. So you force his hand to become an independent. And we know that Democrats are diabolical. As bad as their policies are, they're not stupid people. They, they, they know what the agenda is and they know how to manipulate it. So you get him into the independent camp. And maybe you were at the, you arrived at the conclusion very early on in this process, whenever that might have been, that he would siphon away votes from Trump. I can't rule that out. I I think that's a valid point right there. But 
doesn't the money because you have another story there doesn't the money suggest that it's republican donors who are he's getting both okay so a politico analysis uh and if you want to read this story uh, i got this from the daily mail but they're citing uh, excerpts from politico rfk jr getting more donations from republicans than democrats but mixed polling still raises questions of whether he will hurt trump or biden more in a 2024 rematch but a Politico analysis found that $2 million of Kennedy's large donor dollar donations through September 30th came from supporters who previously gave money to Republicans. So $2 million from former supporters of Republicans, while $1.4 million came from those who previously contributed to Democrats. Another $5.1 million came from small-dollar donations, individuals who have given less than $200 and thus don't have to be tracked by the Federal Election Commission. In total, Kennedy raised $6.6 million, the bulk of his funds, from Americans who didn't give money in the 2016 or 2020 cycles through Act Blue, which is the Democratic donor portal, or Win Red, the Republican one. So I think it's smart that you're looking at where the money is going. Always follow the money, right? Right. Well, and that's tangible. That's something that we can point to and say that's real. That is, you know, those are everyday Americans or business people, business owners, and especially the fact that you're saying that they didn't, they were not activated previously, and now right. they are. I think all of that is significant. The you know the fact that they're donating to him because maybe they want an alternative kind of candidate. Mm-hmm. I'll try to find the sound on Don Jr. if you want it. He, yeah. he went on to say that uh, he did go on to say, because I guess um, DeSantis, Governor, Florida Governor DeSantis, who's a candidate, obviously, said that he thinks RFK Jr. hurts Trump mm-hmm. and Republicans. Right. But then the Don Jr. Um, thing on NBC last night where he was saying that he hopes that once people look at his voting record mm-hmm. he's very liberal yeah and he's not just a liberal you know he goes on and on but well let me ask you guys this because i i hate anecdotal things where it's like you pick one thing and see say mm-hmm. see this is how everything is going to be right. but let's just take take a for instance somebody like aaron Rodgers. if there was no rfk jr in the race do you think he's a biden voter no I don't think he's a Biden voter, but I also don't think Aaron Rodgers is a, is a true conservative. I think there's elements of Aaron okay. Rodgers that lean I, right. I'm not asking about his political. But you're saying Aaron Rodgers would vote for an R, go for an RFK Jr. I'm saying. Well, he's endorsed him he's, already. He's endorsed right? him. So I'm saying that if if RFK Jr. wasn't in the race, okay. So remove him from the equation. Would he vote for Trump or Biden? I believe Aaron Rodgers would vote for Trump. Yeah. Take Joe Rogan. I agree. If Joe Rogan, if there was no RFK Jr. in the race, is Joe is Joe Rogan voting for Trump or Biden? He's already said he vote for Trump. Or yeah. Biden. Mm-hmm. So I know it's two people. It's it's not a you know it's not a majority. Mm-hmm. It's not a scientific poll. I'm just telling you that yeah. that from the people I see yep. who are supporting RFK Jr. Yep. are the ones who would support Trump. In a Trump-Biden matchup, they mm-hmm. would support Trump. I, I, I've given you the example in, in my family where Kristen's uncle, crazy uncle Jim, is <laughs> part Bernie Sanders, part Alex Jones. He's got conspiracy theories on one end. He's Bernie Sanders uh, on re- the redistribution of wealth on the other end. But he was a Trump voter in 16, did not vote in 20. And I think, and I haven't talked to him specifically about this yet, but I do believe that he would vote for RFK Jr. because he loves free speech. 
He and he's a he's sixty. No, he's he's almost seventy years old now. He did not get the COVID vaccine, but he is also into the like. He drives a Toyota Prius hybrid. Like so, he's got like fringe on both sides to him, where he's so left and so right that, as we said, it kind of wraps back around and touches each other. That's him for sure. How many of those people out there exist? I don't know. Mike Carr on the YouTube chat writes, a lot of Trump supporters just hate politicians. They're not necessarily conservative. These are the ones who could easily flip to RFK. I agree, but I would also tell you guys that those are the people that won Trump the election. Mm -hmm. So you think these then in turn could be the ones that cost him the election? If it comes to a three-person race, yes, yeah. I do. Okay. I really believe that. And and to Don Jr.'s point about him being a Democrat plant, well, the Democrats don't really want Cornell West in there because mm-hmm. Cornell West, West siphons off votes from mm-hmm. Biden. There's no – I mean there's no overlap there. There's right. no Trump supporters right. that are supporting Cornell West. Trust me. Right. Um, so that theory kind of goes out the window mm-hmm. uh, with the Cornell West – well, and so why do we think that Cornell West is not welcomed and RFK Jr. is not welcomed? Is it because both of them won't fall in line in stride to a T with what the progressives and the squad Dems agenda is? Because we know Joe. Joe's – you say what you want about Joe Biden, but if he is remotely still with it mentally, you know he's not on board with some of the stuff that are in his policies. This, I mean, You go back 30 years ago. And I get it. People can change politically, for sure. People can flip. But Joe Biden is not a progressive squad dem. He's just not. Yeah. And we know that, like, you know, in his in his personal life with his like, he's not. So I think it's that they want a puppet in there, just a, a figurehead, literally a breathing corpse that will not be any in any way providing any resistance or pushback to the the larger agenda at play here. And I don't know that RFK would march to that beat or Cornell West would march to that beat. So they, that's why I think they want Joe because then they can hand it off to Kamala and continue with this same failed progressive policy that this whole administration Agreed. is about. Agreed. Cornell West is such a fringe candidate anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? That that like his I don't know where his support comes from, but you know, you talk about like basically communists and stuff like that. Like that's Cornell West. <laughs> right. But know? he's got I mean I'm so I'm looking at a week it's a week ago, but it's a, a Suffolk University USA Today poll. Okay. Cornell West four percent, JFK in that one had thirteen percent. So when you look at the razor thin margin between Biden and Trump, yep. thirty six, thirty seven ish. Then that thirteen and fourteen percent hurts, yep. and it especially I think in that poll, that snapshot, yep. it hurts. I would say Biden more, right, in that one. But to mm-hmm. your points, moving forward, people just are look. People are just angry, yep, and they're just. I think some people are just mad, and they 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 don't want to vote. Uh, maybe maybe they just feel like they're a non-voter, mm-hmm. and maybe they'd come out and vote for an alternative. Yeah. Well, that's that's the interesting thing about RFK is that it, he appeals, in my opinion, to a lot of the people who don't follow politics as closely mm-hmm. as we do, or you know, people uh, who watch MSNBC all the time, like th- the regular voter who just wants somebody in there who's not a Biden or a yeah. Trump or whatever. Like, like those are the people that are going to go for RFK Jr. Mm-hmm. And I think he has a huge appeal to those people. And look, you know, everybody talks about you know vaccine skepticism and everything like that. Like he's been on the forefront of this, and that's not a that's not a small minority no. of people. No, so. It's not. 
um, you know, he's he was really on to something. Well, just look at how many this. people have decided not to get the booster. Yeah. I, I, to, I mean, mm-hmm. Pfizer and Moderna stock is just plummeting right now yeah. uh, because nobody is getting the booster in this country this time around when it's being shoved down your throat in messaging and advertising. And, you know, Dawn said one of the greatest things I've ever heard when Dawn said Donald Trump didn't create the MAGA movement. He answered the movement. And I think you could also say that Donald Trump created another movement, not just MAGA from a Republican side of things, but this thirst for the American people to have to have the outsider to get away from the swamp creature, to bust up the deep state, to move on from the establishment. We're tired of the Bush family, the Clintons, the Obamas. Like, we're we're so, like, the gig is up. Everybody knows what's going on. But yet, sadly, you're stuck with, you know, this, what, quote two-party system which yeah. preach my, it brother preach it which in my lifetime i don't think we're ever gonna get i i think i will be zero dead chance. and gone there's, before there's a third yeah. party there's zero yeah. chance it's there's zero chance it's gonna happen it's so funny because you always hear these people who are just sick of both parties uncle magoo on the youtube chat uncle magoo's said, here yeah he said uh, people are sick of both parties i agree with you but yeah. when it actually comes down to it and there's just this choice between two. They they either sit it out or they pick one. Yep. So nobody actually does anything about it. That's but right. if you look True. at the if you look at this like the quote unquote center or the moderates or the middle of the country, like every there's a lot of people like that. Mm-hmm. So you would think that there would be some sort of thirst for a third party, but it just doesn't. Nobody. It never seems to materialize. No. And you have to think that it's because the system. The power, the Democrats, the Republicans—they don't want it. No, of course so not. So if they don't want it, it ain't gonna happen. No, they don't want it. And but then again, as I've said in the past, you got to find who's the face of that third party, who's got the cachet and the swag and the voice and the power and the name recognition, and also more, and probably equally as importantly, where's the money coming from, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because this is not a cheap thing to do. Eight five five eight three nine twelve ten. And then lastly, on the polling front, RFK, the money, and all that. You know, we have said on this show, and we've actually confirmed you know this will actually confirm a poll and a study that we brought up in july um the 2024 presidential race um uh, according to poll.q.edu uh this is a quinnipiac poll as well but it's kind of more of a a a statement so to speak that the presidential race stays static in the face of major events that according to Quinnipiac in their national poll, um, they say the following. Following a month marked by a war breaking out between Israel and Hamas, global tensions ratcheting up, a mass shooting, and a former president in court for a civil fraud trial, both the 2024 presidential primary races for each party and the general erect election race show little change, according to this poll. And I think this just confirms what we talked about in a poll and a study that we discussed in July, that from a PR nightmare, from a drama standpoint, from a controversy standpoint, all of this falls on deaf ears with the American public. You know, other than the... Trump numbers going up on the Republican primary side of things every time he gets indicted. By and large, Americans are immune, I think, to all of the ridiculous, salacious stuff that's going on from Trump's impeachment or from Trump's indictments to Joe Biden and, you know, business dealings and checks and his connection to his son, Hunter. I, I, I you know, you think about all of the stuff. Right, all of the uh, the content, all of the points of discussion that we have elaborated on for months on this show, 
And it really, by and large, hasn't moved that much. Yes, Trump's made a little move against Biden. Trump has extended against other people in the primary field. But here's my question, and I want people to think about this for a second. If, in fact, that is true, that basically everything stays status quo in the face of all of the adversity that's out there, is that a good or a bad thing? Because it makes me think there's one of two things at play here. Either people are checked out, they don't care, or they're just flat out uneducated and don't know what's actually going on. Like, I think most people on the left, they get their news from Facebook and Yahoo on their (laughs) phone. They are oblivious to what Joe Biden and Hunter Biden are actually being accused of doing by James Comer and the House Oversight Committee. So it's either you're uneducated and you're checked out, or you just don't take the bait. Maybe there's just people out there that, unlike us as talk show hosts, look at all of this as you know fodder for conversation. Maybe those people out there just say, you know what, I don't care about the drama. I don't care about indictments or impeachments. Here's what I know. Here's what the economy was. Here's what the economy is. So forth. Whether that's in favor of Trump or not in favor of Trump. But I think there's just some people out there that they tune out the garbage and they just look at the quantifiable, measurable elements that impact their daily lives. Crime, the border, inflation, gas prices, so forth and yes. so on. That's the majority of people. Yeah, I, I, I think on both sides, unless yes. you are really in the weeds yes. on, on both sides with yep. all of these stories, yes. regardless of who you vote for and who's been accused of doing what behind Ag- the scenes. Agreed. All right. 855-839-1210, the number. We'll kick off hour number two. Dawn's got some news on the way. And when it comes to the left and Halloween, Don Lemon, Anthony Blinken, we've got some um, some conversations to be had. We'll do that as we kick off hour two after Dawn's news. It's Kale and Company, Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. It's Kale and Company On Demand from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and the free Odyssey app. Up at 3.30 in the morning, getting the dog out. Right now I'm doing Find My iPhone Boys, are you awake? Are you awake? Please respond. Every day is so hectic and so crazy and so busy, which is why I'm just picturing. I'm picturing a moment soon where you'll join me and we'll sip some limoncello and we'll view that beautiful sunset beyond the Isle of Capri. Oh, relaxing, beautiful trip of a lifetime. The Amalfi Coast, Positano, Sorrento, Capri. I hope you join me next spring as we discover the wonderful sights in southern Italy with my dear friends from Conservative Tours. Nobody does it better than Conservative Tours. The Abbey of Monte Cassino, Pompeii. Enough time, of course, to see all the great sites, the ancient sites in Rome, all while enjoying a gastronomical event for 12 days of touring. Olive oil production, a mozzarella farm, wineries, oh, those tasting sessions. The group dining events, by the way, they're known for are legendary. You can ask Dom and Ro Giordano about that one. Fifty-two sixty-seven. That includes your airfare. It's nonstop while supplies last. You can go to conservativetours.com. Scroll down. You'll see my picture. Yes, my husband, Larry Menti, Lair Bear. You can call him Lair Bears. We tour together. I giggle. The boys, Michael and David, obviously. So it's our family trip of a lifetime. But you can also call toll-free 888-733-9494, conservativetours.com. And by the way, we're also going to find out why so many Italians take their vacations in Puglia. Because it's a best-kept secret. It's where the locals go. Puglia. Charming villages. Unparalleled cuisine. The best food you've ever tasted in your life. So unspoiled and authentically Italian. ConservativeTours.com. Let's do this together. 
next spring, Southern Italy. Conservativetours.com. Tom Dolan sent you. Start your day with Kale and Company. Weekday mornings, 6 till 10. On Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and the free Odyssey app.